since we gave you a long break, which is a lot shorter in internet land, thank, or a lot longer in internet land, thankfully, we're going on to the Quake 2 series of um, films. Uh, these are out of order, so take it as you will, but we're going to go them one at a time. So, hardly working, needs no introduction, but we're going to give it to it anyway is the sequel to um, Apartment Hunting, where the O Clan really pulled out the stops. It actually took a lot longer than they expected to because of the ingenuity and all the assets they had to create that literally took Quake 2 from the drab, dreary, grayscale, you know, drabby colors to bright blues, whites, reds, and greens, and really threw it out basically it was the very first film that the public at large didn't even know what was running on a game engine because it looked like a Looney Tunes kind of aesthetic. Um, so definitely, you know, no need introduction, but again, there's your introduction is basically the, one of the very first films uh, that took a very long time, but was well worth the effort because of the attention to detail and the fact that it wiped out anything that had any quake, quake, um, reference to it or anything you can't see any guns you can't see any sound effects you can't see nothing it's basically used as an animation platform and that's it and they really hit the nail on the head and they won several awards for it so well deserved now going to the other direction of the bright blues and reds and stuff like that is the sequels to Exiton Darkness Twilight with Exiton Nightfall Hugh's next ambitious project with Strange Company. And this one, again, took a long time and also had two different iterations of it. They had a director's cut and they also had um, a limb sync version of it where, or a spe special edition, I should say, which dealt with um, the limb syncing and whatnot. But again, continuing the HP Lovecraft mythos and going through this was a long story. This ran for about 40 minutes. So it was definitely a beefier story, almost as much as the original, but more, you know, slower paced and whatnot. And also dealt with, again, the amazing voice actors that dealt with, you know, the fear, their anger. Um, you know, a side story that I always love to bring up to, to people is that the main villain in the story you know, when she does her grand reveal that the audio, audio recorder for doing the voiceovers didn't realize that she was going to go so high. And when she yelled out her name or yelled out her lines, that he almost fell over and blew out his audio equipment because she had hit such a high pitch that, um, that you definitely have to give credit, to, credit due to a person who, you know, is the grad, grand baddie, but she, resonates more when she's yelling at the top of her lungs and you're not expecting it to hit that high of a pitch. Um, but it hits it out right out of the park. But again, the story goes in the highs and lows, deals very well with the aesthetic of a dystopian world where H.P. Lovecraft's story is breathing and the characters are trying to explain and trying to solve the problems that were created in the first film. But again, not to dwell on this too much, but basically a very solid film. And again, unfortunately, much to my regret, 
that I'll never get any more films out of that because it just wasn't viable and Bloodspell had to come out and life happened. So at least I got two solid story films out of it and that's all I'm going to get, but at least I got, I got them anyway. So moving on to, um, we're going to switch things up to a talk show. Now in Quake One, there was a talk show. It was very brief, but it was funny. It was, but it wasn't really that well done in the sense of, you know, but it was very simplistic. So it was well done, but some people may interpret it as being not well done because of it being bare bones and very simplistic. But um, in this particular case, because of the, the um, Quake 2 allowing a little bit more flexibility or allow our structure, um, there's a group of two guys, you know, Toxie and SOB. Uh, they did a film called, you know, Late Night with Toxie, um, dealt with um, trying to do a talk show with the community at large. Um, they had people who actually did their own voiceovers and they tried to do a narrative of, you know, like a night, late night show with, you know, audience and even, you know, the band and uh, even their own sniper for the, the person who doesn't want to leave. Um, so, and also the dynamics between Toxie and SOB is kind of funny too. They did a sequel. Um, one of those classic cases that I'm very glad that happened sometimes uh, it happened with the Rangers with Ranger God Bad 3. Um, but they did a sequel. Um, Star Fury from Clan Phantasm, who did um, The Devil's Covenant, I was mentioned in the Quake 1 section. He actually reached out to them because he wanted to learn how to do editing in Quake 2 with Key Grip 2. Uh, they originally weren't going to be doing this second episode, but because he stepped up to the plate, we actually got a second episode. Hooray! And even had the inventor of P-Grip 2 actually being interviewed for that episode. So that was an extra treat, um, but also very well done. Um, so again, with all the different genres you see with with all these different individuals, you have this varying of um, content, which definitely, you know, you can say, well, I don't like this. You could try this. You could try that, you know. For example, the next film that I'm going to talk about is Rebel vs. Thug. Um, Ken Thane, who did it for Chuck D's Fine Arts Militia, um, he always gets teased when I always mention, I'll have to mention the title, and you, if you've heard the song, it gets stuck in your brain, you know, like the song that never stops. But it's a collaboration that Ken did with, with um, Chuck D to promote uh, his new music side project, which was, as I said, Fine Arts Militia. And it's just basically a music video that was done with Quake 2, with some modifications, and basically told the story of two factions, you know, fighting over. And basically the story is, you know, rebels versus thugs. And it was just to have that gang uh, kind of mentality uh, in a space age kind of context. So, but again, just saying the different genres that, you know, machinima can be used for music videos as well. Um, as people have seen with a film I'm going to mention in the Quake 3 section, but also, you know, I'm still sitting green with Paul Marino when he did it in Half-Life 2 for video mods for MTV's 2's video mods, you know, that the platform is also perfect for music videos as well. Uh, another 
uh, film we're going to talk about is uh, Rick Jones. Now, Rick Jones is, again, another genre film for the people that like the 70s. Um, got that jive, swagger, you know, master detective, but with it, you know, jive talking and, and sexual overtones and undertones and so forth. But it was a pretty good story. Um, the animation was done painstakingly, frame by frame, uh, by Crestar, um, and also had a veteran voice actor that's also from The Devil's Covenant, Bill Benners. Uh, he did a very good job doing several characters. Um, and it was just a very good, solid film. Some people didn't care for it too much because of it, its aesthetic or just the pacing of it was kind of wrong. But it was kind of cool to have, at least for the vets or in me in particular, you know, just the notables and at least, you know, cameos from people that you can recognize their voices if you know them. And just, it's again, it's fresh and, and, and you know, just something different if, if you don't want your normal shoot 'em ups and, and you have a narrative that takes you back in time if you live through the 70s where I wasn't even born yet. So it gives me a chance to, to look at what life was like possibly in the Quake Engine in 1970. Um, so moving on, we definitely, definitely cannot keep out um, Phil Rice's Father Strikes Best. I mean, that is one of those iconic things that definitely if there's one thing that Phil does when he makes his films, they leave a mark and they, to me, they anchor things together that they are milestones that really have a lot of weight to them that, you know, it's one of the key things that I'm a really big fan of him because he really does in great detail and, and great, you know, love for the medium and whatnot, um, able to construct something that really is good as a very good narrative and incorporate several different elements and just, it just works and, you know, and has a bit of a twist for me in the end as, there's this classic story that he's mentioned on the podcast before. If not, you know, it's definitely one that we both won't live down, you know, if we, if we have the chance is that, um, it's the one time he always reminds me, the one time that I can usually pick out people's voices without too much trouble. But I was, I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm also proud to say, you know, that I'm not 100% perfect. But when I watched the film, and listen to the voices that I, for the life of me, I can do it now because I know, but I didn't know at the time that, you know, when he was playing, the, the person who was going to play the mother was originally going to be someone who was a woman, but she, you know, unfortunately had to bow out. So Phil, in a, in a stretch, had to do it. But I still felt that it was a woman, and he said, no, it's me. And it's like, uh-oh. So he thought it was a kick out of it that I could usually catch it, but I didn't catch it. But now, since I know it's him, I can pick it out. But it's just embarrassing to say, what, you didn't know that wasn't a woman? It's like, uh, no, I didn't. Sorry. So, but again, you know, that was his very first film. And um, he had a really grand sequel in mind. But unfortunately, because of life events, that didn't happen. But I think with what he did in the future when he came back from a sabbatical um, made up for it because, you know, who can forget, you know, restroom etiquette, you know, first, 
um, all the films that he did as experiments to show you again, he's trying different things. He's really trying to sprinkle. And, you know, one of the key things that he's always trying to do is empower people to, to create the stuff. That's what was important when he did tutorial videos. He did, um, just again, he's trying to strengthen the community kind of like I was with just documenting all this stuff ad nauseum. He was doing the, the legwork to allow people to figure out how to actually do this stuff. So definitely don't want to forget that mark that Father Frank Best is in this whole narrative is the fact is that, you know, it was Phil's first mark into what he created the Machine Quake movie community to do, you know, with what you had and just, you know, had really polished stuff. I mean, there's more to it than that, but we'll leave it at that because I don't want to make this a puff piece. Um, so another important film series or films that were, were done is Donovan. Donovan, for a lot of people that don't know or for some that do, Donovan did several films. He did Circe's Life, part one and two, um, and the, A Warrior's Life, and several other films after that that became art pieces and whatnot. But the key thing for Donovan's material is that Circe's Life 1 and 2, they dealt with people in a world they didn't understand, but there was also a very strong... And I don't know if he's coming from it from a life experience or from whatnot, but it's very vivid. You know, you would never think that Quake would be used in this way, where it's telling the narrative of two brothers and they're being abused by their father. And the one of the characters, you know, finally has enough of it and not showing it it's showing it in a way where you see it in the game, like you would be killing a character, but he also incorporates visual representations, like little pictures that could show the outcome if it happened in a real world. It's quite vivid. It's not for the, the subject matter is definitely mature. It's not anything kid friendly because of the visuals, but it definitely deals with, you know, trying to survive in a world where you're alone and you don't know what the world is like, especially when you're taken out of your comfort zone of where you were to where you are, and then dealing with the consequences of the two characters as they struggle to try and get through this world, even if it makes no sense at all to how they, they, they deal with it. But they make through it, you know, both in a good way and a bad way, depending on your point of view. His other film that was quite longer deals with a character that is isolated with his mother and he from an audio perspective it's really well done in setting up the story where the main character has to deal with the loss of his mother his mother dies in her sleep but Jonathan really sends it home by literally playing her heartbeat slowing down slower slower and then stopping and then dealing with the character face not even realizing that's happening we as the audience know that he doesn't and just seeing the reaction and reading the text of the character responding to not realizing that his mother is going tonight 
that I remember. It's such a gut punch that that's one of the, the, the qualities that Donovan had is he's dealing with subject matter that is not something you typically would be dealing with, but he does it in such a way that it really gets to you. Um, there is some issues with his English, but, you know, again, sometimes the visuals and the audible um, sounds make up for it because, again, audio can kind of save you where it pushes the, the story forward with just trying to tell you what's going on in the story without having to deal with the vocals. Uh, he was planning to do voiceovers, but I don't think it ever came to fruition. If it did, I never was able to find it um, because he did say he was going to do it with voiceovers. But in some ways, I wonder if that would have actually hurt because, again, you're alone with your thoughts, listening to the sound and the music tracks and just processing it that way. But I wonder if audio with a vocal track might actually be distracting. But again, you know, well, no, because I don't, I've never heard it any which way. So it could have been very good. I don't know. But again, one of those are what ifs. Um, and the last thing we're going to talk about, um, simply because of the, it's a modern interpretation of real time improvisation technique where the ill clan was able to figure out a way to do real time manipulation of the character faces. So, in a piece that they were invited to do at the um, Florida Film Festival, um, they did a skit where they used the characters from Hardly Working, which is Cook Carl, Larry and Le Lenny Lumberjack, and they had the audience um, pick random things to create a narrative story where in the end it was about making cookies and how all the different characters were trying their darndest to try and make these cookies, but just all the hijinks and whatnot. And this was being done in real time. It was not done like they typically did it where they recorded it um, through, you know, getting the scenes right and then committing it to video. This was done in real time, reacting to um, people in the audience, unexpected things happening in the audience, and even in the engine itself where. Um, as Lenny would say, you know, I don't seem to have that animation at the moment right now, but I'll get to it. So again, you see the hikings and even the technology's limitations, but still doing it in real time, that it's still possible to do Mishima in a real time sense. And it was one of those um, pure examples of a glimpse of the future, where as you see it with the Mandalorian, and several other things is that you can use this technology to do things on the fly and change things on the fly so you're not stuck in a, a render loop where, oh, I have to change one thing and not have to wait 20 minutes or an hour, two hours for a change to be implemented. It can be done right then and there. Something's wrong. Just take two seconds, push the button, and it changes, and you're good to go. So that's it. <laughs>